0: of, with all due respect,
1: Strong Opinions on
0: Welcome to another episode of With All Due Respect, the podcast that Dickie Dunn reports is being sought by a Florida retirement community. Mm, intriguing. Greetings, I'm Coach Reggie Dunlop, your host for this power play of a podcast. With me as always is my main man, my co-host with the most, my handsome brother, Mr. Van Sanders. Mr. Sanders, who own the Chiefs, sir? Owns. Owns. And I, I still don't know. As always, we'd like to thank the Anchorage Daily News for hosting our podcast on their platform and remind listeners that the very strong opinions you hear on this podcast are mine and mine alone and in no way, shape, or form represent the opinions of the Anchorage Daily News or their employees. Today on With All Due Respect, we run the table, politics, life, and entertainment. In politics, Alaska has become the trendiest COVID hotspot on the entire planet, and Anchorage is party central. Governor Mike Dunleavy this past week said, we're on top of this. We have always been on top of this. Two days later, Alaska became the world leader in new COVID cases. When questioned about his boast that Alaska was on top of this deadly COVID surge, Dunleavy donned a giant foam number one finger and yelled, number one, baby, on top of the world. Closer to home, the Bronson administration is in complete and unmitigated meltdown. COVID is overwhelming their political narrative, they have locked the doors to the mayor's office claiming security reasons, and they have locked down and restricted communications claiming the assembly is spying. And late last week, new ethics concern came to light after it was discovered that their new homeless shelter agent was a Bronson campaign donor. In life, we give a sweet treat its day in the sun. As Halloween approaches, the candy snobs and confection elitists have long derided the appeal of a certain fall candy, and this podcast has had enough. Today, I ask a very special guest to help me make the case for this oft-criticized confection. In entertainment, I have landed on a new Hulu series that is something you should be watching. I'm going to recommend a show about three neighbors who start a podcast after there is a murder in their New York City apartment building. And finally, in closing comments, we dissect two analogies that both Governor Dunleavy and Mayor Bronson have used to defend their response to COVID. So this episode, we take their exact words, break them down one time, and ask the poignant question, are you f***ing kidding me? So, write this way, and let's talk some politics. Politics. And now, for some politics. Politics. Last week, less than 48 hours after this podcast aired a number of legal and ethical issues dogging the Bronson administration, Anchorage City Manager Amy Domboski issued a terse memo to all departments forbidding any direct communication with assembly members. In Domboski's memo, she accuses assembly members of, quote, using informal back channels to access information. Okay, first, this is all the public's business that Ms. Dembosky and her staff get paid to do. So trying to limit access of information to assembly members whose existence is pretty much to provide the essential check and balance is a clear warning sign from the Bronson administration. Ladies and gentlemen, 90 days into their administration, and City Hall has become a fortress of very paranoid people who are quickly forgetting they work for the public. But why? Why would it be necessary for Domboski to be the gatekeeper for all information to assembly members? Because after 90 days of ethical lapses and questionable legal actions by Dimboski and crew, the Anchorage Assembly members are asking a lot of questions. A significant amount of very important questions. Questions about the Marbut contract, their opaque procurement process, the questionable relationship between John Morris and Sprung. They're asking questions about the administration's political appointments, like when can we expect them to be forwarded for approval, you know, as the law requires. They're asking about the new public health director, who not only is less qualified than the previous nominee, but also, and wait for it, has a potential conflict of interest like seemingly everyone Mayor Bronson hires. And now, late last week, it was discovered through Freedom of Information requests that 99 Plus One, the company that the Bronson administration granted a huge shelter contract to, well, not only were they the least qualified bidder and their bid was the highest cost, but it turns out the company's owner was a big Bronson campaign donor. Ladies and gentlemen, there is absolutely no attempt here by the Bronson administration to avoid any appearance of impropriety. Now, Domboski, through her surrogate, says it's because the assembly is spying on the Bronson administration. Spying. This is local government. It's not called spying. It's called the system of checks and balances. It's called accountability. Look, nobody is spying on the Bronson administration. Nobody is impinging upon time of staff. This is the legislative branch doing their job, asking questions. This is the legislative branch doing the job that the voters and the charter require them to do. And maybe, just maybe, if Amy Domboski stopped and looked in the mirror long enough, she'd realize that all of these questions are due to her working the most incestuous and ethically challenged administration in memory, and they're only three months into the job. But this has nothing to do with anything other than the battle. The truth is the campaign will never, ever be over for the Bronson administration, even now that they're in charge. Last week at Mayor Bronson's COVID pep rally, remember that last Saturday? Domboski took to the microphone and kept referencing Bronson's campaign battle against COVID mandates and then helped proceed to stoke the anti-vax and anti-mask crowd. Amy Dimboski has never been interested in solving real problems or making Anchorage better. She's always just been interested in grandstanding. Please, allow me to prove my point. Three years ago, I was required to appear before the assembly in a work session to justify ACDA's purchase of the new police headquarters building downtown. For 90 minutes, assembly members took turns grilling me. Why was it a good purchase for APD? Why was it a good purchase for local taxpayers? How would it help public safety? For 90 minutes, I answered question after question. But during that entire meeting, Assemblymember Amy Dimboski didn't say anything. Not one question, not one comment, nothing. She just sat there quietly for 90 minutes. But then, at the Assembly meeting, when she had a public stage, well, Dimboski found her voice and had all kinds of questions that had already been explained in the work session. Demboski's act had nothing to do with the purchase of the building. She just wanted a public stage. It's always an act with her. It's always a fight they want. It's always the desire for political friction, and they're always the victim. It's the only way this administration knows how to communicate with anger, blame, and distortion. This was an administration that got elected saying COVID was over, but now that Alaska leads the nation in COVID cases with Anchorage as the epicenter. Ladies and gentlemen, the case numbers speak for themselves. The COVID case rates since Bronson took office have reached global highs, but yet they still maintain the same course. They encourage their supporters to doubt science, question the reality around them, while being nothing less than thuggish and generally objectionable. Look at the violent, hateful threats levied against frontline healthcare workers. Last week in an interview, Dr. Ann Sink said healthcare workers had been screamed at, harassed, and even followed in the stores. Imagine how horrible a person has to be to do this to a nurse who spends her day caring for the sick. So where, where in the world would this behavior be coming from, ladies and gentlemen? Well, I'll tell you exactly where it's coming from. It's coming from the Bronson administration. During last week's COVID pep rally, attended by the mayor and his staff, Bronson's Human Resource Director Nikki Shabaka asked attendees to, quote, please stand up and clap if they believe local hospitals are lying about their capacity due to COVID patients. And then people stood and clapped. Yeah, you might remember Shabaka. We did a bit on him a while back. He's the husband of Kelly Shabaka, the carpet-bagging Trump-endorsed challenger to Alaska's current U.S. Senator Lisa Murkowski. Well, as we know, Kelly Shabaka and the mister moved to Alaska so she could run against Lisa. Both Kelly and Nikki were given sweet six-figure jobs by Governor Dunleavy, which Kelly kept just long enough to get her $80,000 in moving expenses paid for by taxpayers. Then, after she formally announced her run, the husband landed a job with the Bronson administration. Another conservative eating at the government trough they so dearly love to scorn, right? And ladies and gentlemen, this is something you should keep in mind as the U.S. Senate race heats up. While Alaska's U.S. Senator Lisa Murkowski was visiting local hospitals, thanking healthcare workers and publicly pleading for Alaskans to get vaccinated. Nikki Shabaka, the husband of her opponent, was publicly questioning the honesty of hospitals at a time of record deaths. All of these people, Bronson, Domboski, Shabaka, all of them are pathetic. They're all complicit in Anchorage's COVID tragedy. They have no substance, they have no moral compass, they ignore reality and ethics, and they only know how to blame. These folks are the criners of politics, ignorant, thuggish, and brutish. Their actions come with a huge risk, and I don't believe they understand the electorate that put them into power. Bronson's campaign pitch was easy. He was going to fix it all. COVID, the economy, government transparency, right? His campaign attracted new voters that weren't engaged before. Many had never voted before, and he won by a mere 1,300 votes. His razor-thin margin of victory has left him with no room for error. He needs to be adding to his base. He needs to be earning more supporters, but he's doing the exact opposite with his negligent COVID response. Mayor Dave Bronson got elected by less than 1,200 votes out of 90,000 total votes cast in May. He desperately needs to be adding, not subtracting from his margins. But instead, Mayor Bronson's failure to control the surge of COVID cases in Anchorage is literally killing his slim margin of victory. And now, let's talk about life. Let's talk about life. All right, let's talk some life. Halloween is the one holiday known for candy. That magical time of year when you just get to show up on some random stranger's doorstep and demand treats. Now, with this tradition comes the annual report on what candy each state prefers and an overall rehash of the Halloween's best confections. However, over the years, the verbal assault on one of the most prolific Halloween candies has become too much. So on this episode, this podcast is going to draw the line and offer a full-throated, unabashed endorsement of candy corn. Yes, candy corn, that wonderful treat that has become one of the most unfairly maligned confections in modern society. So, ladies and gentlemen, to make the case for those delicious orange and black kernels, I have enlisted a celebrity A-lister. And now, with all due respect, presents television personality Charlie Sykaitis with 60 Seconds on the Awesomeness of Candy Corn.
1: Charlie Sakaitis here, longtime listener, first time caller, a uh, hot topic to get into today because I'm hearing it a lot lately now that we're in October, the slander has gone too far. People talking about candy corn like they don't like it, as if it's not the greatest Halloween candy of all time, which let's be very clear, it absolutely is. Candy corn is fun-shaped, compressed sugar that tastes great, that you can kind of nibble on your way down to the little sections of it or put it up in your teeth as if you're a vampire. In fact, think about that. Candy corn is such a great Halloween candy that if you forget your outfit, take two little candy corns, toss them up in your teeth, you're a vampire, kids. That's the kind of stuff that I'm talking about. And I hear people every year act like they don't like candy corn. I think that that is just... People that have lost their way. It's, it's like the I don't want to grow up, I'm a Toys R Us kid. You grew up. You can't have fun anymore. Candy corn is fun. And if you don't think so, maybe you need to get a little bit more in touch with your silly side. Also, side note, don't forget, the little candy corn pumpkins, they're basically just like bigger candy corns. And that's even better.
0: All right, let's talk some entertainment. If you are listening to the sound of my voice, then I'm assuming you like podcasts, so I have a show for you. The show is about three neighbors who come together to start a podcast after there is a murder in their New York City apartment building. The show hosts an amazing cast, Steve Martin, Martin Short, Selena Gomez, and a wide array of cameos from actors like Tina Fey, Sting, and Nathan Lane. The show is called Only Murders in the Building. It's a weekly series on Hulu. The episodes are engaging, funny, they're only 32 minutes long, but the only issue I have with the show is that they highly romanticize the way podcast content is put together. Trust me, it's a lot of work, a lot of grind work, and Van and I never get to hang out with Sting or Nathan Lane. Again, the series is called Only Murders in the Building. It can be streamed on Hulu. I highly suggest it. In closing comments, we analyzed the use of analogies in the COVID era. This all kicked off a few weeks ago when explaining how he believed the COVID vaccine was experimental. Mayor Dave Bronson said, in the airplane world, for example, you never fly the A model of anything. Now, for those of you who are not keeping score at home, Mayor Bronson is a retired military and commercial pilot. So the analogy would seem to make sense unless you actually think about it. In the airplane world, for example, you never fly the A-model of anything. But how can this be? I mean, someone has got to fly the A-model, right? The average commercial jetliner makes the equivalent of 40 trips around the globe as part of the certification process, so somebody is obviously flying the A-model, right? But according to the analogy from Mayor Dave Bronson, if aviation were a vaccine, we'd still all be taking the trains. Side note, thank God Dave Bronson did not spell Orville right. I mean, can you imagine Kitty Hawk in 1903? Hey, Orville, you're going to make aviation history today? Nah, this whole airplane thing, it's way too experimental. Nobody flies the A model. Okay, so aside from this analogy raising obvious questions about Bronson's professional courage, when does the A model become safe enough to fly? When does the A model become more than experimental? After 360,000 Alaskans take a flight without problems or or after 3.4 billion people, nearly half of humanity take a flight without problems. Bottom line is the vaccines are safe to fly. So Bronson's analogy, like his courage, is wanting. Meanwhile, Governor Mike Dunleavy, who, like Bronson, has come under fire for his failed response to the deadly COVID surge, defended himself by using the analogy of a tsunami, where Alaskans go down to the beach, lock arms, and prepare for the impact. Now, because this podcast is based on facts and science, with a splash of tomfoolery and a sprinkle of pop culture, but primarily based on facts and science... Van, would you please give us the official instructions from the federal government on what to do if there is a tsunami? With pleasure. Uh, It says, move immediately to higher ground. In all caps, do not wait for a tsunami warning to be announced. Stay away from rivers and streams that lead to the ocean as you would stay away from the beach and ocean if there is a tsunami. Staying away from all low-lying areas is the safest advice when there is a tsunami warning. Now, we probably all have our relevant tsunami experiences, and mine took place in the beautiful town of Sitka, Alaska. As you know, this podcast is on record expressing its undying affection for Sitka, Alaska. The podcast loves Sitka. Loves Vonnie and Dwayne, who live in Sitka. We love Lincoln Street in Sitka. We love everything about Sitka. So the year is 1986, or 87. I'm not sure, to be honest. The Madonna years all seem to roll together. Actually, the whole mid-80s seem to roll together. Anyway, I'm on business. It's 1.30 in the morning. Sound asleep in my beautiful Sitka hotel, and the tsunami warning system goes off. Now, the tsunami warning system in 1987 was comprised of giant loudspeakers mounted on telephone poles throughout town, one which was positioned just 50 feet outside my hotel window. Immediately after the siren sounded and kept going, I received calls from the front desk manager, calls from my city manager, and a follow-up knock on my door by hotel security, all alerting me to the evacuation plan. But curiously, not a single one of them said, head down to Sandy Beach because we're going to lock arms and brace for impact. No. Instead, they said the opposite. They said, go the other way, go up the hill, go to the high school. In fact, my city manager informed me after everything had happened that they actually evacuate the heavy equipment from the airport in Sitka to higher ground so if they need, they can reopen the airport. So, ladies and gentlemen, if heavy equipment is being evacuated to higher ground during a tsunami warning, why the hell would anybody be headed to the beach like in the governor's analogy? But the fact that both the Bronson and Dunleavy analogies, like their COVID response, have been dead wrong, so has their dishonesty at the cost of the public health. This is important. On January 12th of this year, the governor's own health department issued a report about how effective mask mandates were in reducing the spread of COVID in 2020. The report stated, and I quote, "...the mask order was followed by a decrease in the growth rate of COVID-19 epidemic in Anchorage. The conclusion that mask mandates contributed to the decreased transmission is supported by several lines of evidence." several lines of evidence that masks work. Ladies and gentlemen, this report from Governor Dunleavy's own health department concludes mask mandates worked. However, as first reported by local journalist Matt Buxton and verified by this broadcast, this report has been totally removed from the health department's website. So a report showing scientific evidence that mask mandates work has now disappeared under a governor who contends the scientific evidence about masks is inconclusive. So with no apparent leadership in sight, the situation getting worse. Where do Alaskans go from here? About 20 years ago, I took an education course, and one of the segments was taught by an amazing professor by the name of Dan Fenn. Fenn had a long political history, including being on the staff of former President Lyndon Johnson. When he was asked why it takes so long to get a shift in public opinions that seemed so basic, so rational, Fenn offered the following personal example. He had a friend who was a reporter in South Africa in the 1990s during some of the worst days of apartheid. His friend would always wonder out loud how the rest of the world could seemingly not care while the abuse and the atrocities continued. Fenn describes reaching the tipping point of crisis politics like this. Imagine a teeter-totter. On one end sits a barrel loaded with sand. On the other sits an empty barrel, thus causing the teeter-totter to be imbalanced. Meanwhile, every day, one by one, people go in and throw a grain of sand into the empty barrel until suddenly, boom, the teeter-totter shifts. For those who haven't been paying attention, they'll say, wow, that happened fast. But for those who have been paying attention, they'll say, wow, that took way too long. Ladies and gentlemen, keep throwing grains of sand in the barrel. Share this podcast, retweet tweets, share Facebook posts, keep throwing grains of sand in the barrel. And sooner or later, that teeter-totter is going to shift. And there is the music, ladies and gentlemen, you know what that means, it means our time is up. Please remember our podcasts are new every Thursday, and beginning with this episode we will also post the written transcripts along with the audio. Van, how about throwing us your website details? Yeah, so if you visit brand.com, A-B-O-D-A-B-O-B-R-A-N-D.com, you can reach out to me, see some work I've done in the past. If you'd like to put together a podcast, I'm happy to help with music and production or whatever you might need. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is our time, and we thank you for yours.